Gracious Father, uh, we do ask you now, please, uh, to be with us in our hearts, to quiet our hearts and help us to receive your word. Uh, Please, Father, uh, use me to speak truthfully uh, and we pray that we would encounter your son, Jesus Christ, in his word this morning. Amen. Uh, Where I'd like to begin today is perhaps not going to be new information if you've been coming to St. Jude's for some time. I think if you are fairly new to the Christian faith, uh, it may well be some new information. But even if this is something you've heard before, I really hope and I have prayed that you'll feel something fresh and deep in Jesus' words, I am the light of the world. We are still at the Feast of Tabernacles, that feast where Jesus made his amazing announcement in the passage we read last week about the living water that he can give to drink to anyone who would come to him. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, it featured a light show. I guess it wasn't as colourful, as vivid in Sydney, but to a culture which obviously wasn't as accustomed to you know, so much colour and so much artificial light as we have, it sounds as though it must have been quite spectacular. Uh, it says, uh, the, the, Jewish, uh, uh, the, the Jewish history documents which tell us of this uh, record that four huge lamps would be lit up in the, in the uh, temple's court of women and uh, they would dance through the night holding burning torches and singing songs of praise. The light from the temple area would shed its glow all the way down over Jerusalem. And one Jewish writer wrote that this festival of light was so joyous that if you hadn't seen it, you did not know joy. Wow. To be frank, I think we have so much artificial light in our lives that we would find it difficult to relate to their joy. But we should bear their joy in our minds as we read on. The joy of the festival was fresh as Jesus again spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now, here is where I want you to feel something. First of all, I want us to have it very clear in our minds that the saying of these words, I am the light of the world, is a real historical occurrence. A person, Jesus, who looked just like you and me, said these words in the temple courts in Jerusalem, I am the light of the world. Now, if somebody said to you, with no hint of joking, but quite seriously, I am the light of the world, what would you think? For Jesus to say these words is effectively for him to be saying, I am the most important person who has ever lived. I'm the key to life. I thought hard and I looked for sayings by other humans which approach this level of grandeur. But if you go to the greatest philosopher who ever lived, which is arguably Plato, he did not, to my knowledge, claim to be the light of the world or in any sense the key to life. If you go to the greatest writer, 
arguably Shakespeare. He did not make any claim like this. Now, there was Muhammad Ali, the boxer, who said, I am the greatest. But he didn't go on to say, follow me, the way Jesus said. I I don't think Muhammad Ali was claiming anything cosmic when he said that. The father of the golfer, Tiger Woods, Earl was his name, Earl Woods, he said some stuff about his son, which was cosmic. He thought that Tiger would bring a bring to the world a humanitarianism which has never been seen before. Well, Tiger Woods himself said, well, my dad's a proud dad. That was his take on it. Neither the Buddha nor Muhammad nor Confucius claimed to be the light of the world. Uh, If you go to the greatest scientist, arguably Isaac Newton, here is what he had to say about his amazing achievements. If I have stood, sorry, if I have seen further than most, it is because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. There you go. I think it was Newton who actually coined that phrase, standing on the shoulders of giants. You see, the greatest people were typically humble, weren't they? Jesus managed to say this while still being humble. But nobody else has attempted to say anything like this about themselves. Now, don't you find this rather freeing? Because, you see, it it means that the ultimate questions in life, the ones that have to do with finding meaning in this life and life beyond this life, don't depend on us having to shop around a million viewpoints and find out which one is the best, because it wouldn't be possible to do that, would it? You just need to go to the one person who said, I am the light of the world, and decide whether you think he is legit. Now, if you're a Christian, you've already decided that. That is, I assume, why you're here. I'm not saying you have to decide it again. But I hope to strengthen and encourage you that you have made the right decision. The conversation that Jesus had on the day uh, was with the Pharisees. Uh, And they offered a rather nitpicky response to this amazing statement Jesus had made. They say in verse 13, well, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Well, that's a fair principle in many situations. For example, if you're going for a job and you need to provide a character reference, you can't write the character reference yourself. Okay, the prospective boss will not pay much attention to that. Uh, The Pharisees here are probably basing themselves on a rule in the law of Moses that said you couldn't condemn somebody to death without two independent witnesses. Now, that is a very sensible rule for a court of law, especially when a death penalty uh, is in view, which it often was in the ancient world. But you can't apply that rule to Jesus' claims that he is the light of the world. Uh, It's not that Jesus' claim shouldn't be tested or that Christians believe without evidence, as many uh, people falsely believe. But 
we, we can't rule out what Jesus says about himself as evidence. We actually have to listen to that. We're dependent on it. Because how could you or I test Jesus' claim that he has come down from heaven? I mean, are you going to go up into heaven and interview an angel and say, have you seen this man before? I'm, I'm not being flippant by saying this. It's just that we don't have a way of testing this claim, do we? Jesus says in verse 14, you have no idea where I have come from or where I am going. We have to take people's word for things all the time, don't we? When your computer guy charges you for four hours of his time to do something that you don't understand, well, you're not in a position to test out what he's saying. You can only make a judgment as to whether you think he's a trustworthy person. Well, it's the same thing with Jesus. When he speaks to us of his father, uh, of him being the light of the world, we can't test his claims directly. We can only make a judgment as to whether we believe he is trustworthy. Uh, You have probably heard before of C.S. Lewis's famous liar, lunatic, Lord argument, uh, from which I quoted in the the front page uh, column. Lewis's target in the liar, lunatic, Lord argument is the person who says that Jesus is a great moral teacher but not the Son of God. And Lewis is saying that is not a position that any sensible person can hold. And the reason is this, because if a person, Jesus, goes around saying, I am the light of the world the most important person who's ever lived, the key to life now and forever, and if those things are not true, then we could not maintain our respect for this person as a moral teacher. He would have to be either a liar or a a lunatic. The only other option is that he is telling the truth, in which case he's more than a great moral teacher. He is the light of the world. He's the Lord and the Saviour. Now, what is interesting to me is that people are really reluctant to come out and call Jesus either a liar or a lunatic. I've almost never heard anyone say it. I've almost never read anyone who was brave enough to write it. Why is this? Perhaps people are worried about offending Or perhaps Jesus has just managed to maintain a really good brand over the centuries? Or is it that our collective instinct as a human race is that Jesus wasn't mad or bad? You see, we know that he wasn't those things, don't we? Which means we can take him at his word when he says, I am the light of the world. But people are reluctant to accept the full implications of Jesus being the light of the world, aren't they? So so let me ask, is that you, the reluctant person? Is that you? Are you here today because you know very well that Jesus is not mad or bad. You know very well that he is trustworthy. And yet something is holding you back from accepting the full implications of Jesus being the light of the world. It's necessary to be a follower 
of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? And when we read at the opening of the service that Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself, do you receive those words as the words, the commands of your personal master? That's Jesus saying, I need to love the Lord with all my heart. Well, I'm going to do that because Jesus is my master. Is that the thought process for you? For those who are reluctant, for those who are holding out, Jesus repeats the warning that he gave in the passage we looked at last week, but it's underlined here with an even clearer statement of the consequences. It's in verse 21. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. To die in your sin is the ultimate personal calamity. To die with your sins unforgiven, still sticking to you. To die while actively practicing the sin of ignoring our maker. That is too horrible to think about, isn't it? Because we know what the consequence is after death. That's why every week in our service we confess our sins and we ask to be forgiven by the good and gracious God who is ready to hear that prayer and who sent his son so that we can be forgiven. Uh, the, the confession prayer that we pray weekly on Sunday uh, is meant to train us so that uh, we would have the instinct to confess our sins in our own time. Uh, uh, sometimes each... <laughs> Sometimes even immediately it's happened. I find that I need to stop and pray and confess my sins. Jesus' point here is, and and I want you to notice that it's Jesus' point, not mine. Jesus says, please don't hold out against me. Because unless you believe that Jesus is the Lord and the Savior and the light of the world, you will die in your sins. Don't you think Jesus would have said this with tears in his eyes? If there were not tears, there certainly would have been emotion. This is not a threat. It's the sober truth. And everyone who truly understands this is desperately sad for those friends and family who are holding out against Jesus and who seem intent on dying in their sins. And we pray for them all the time. If you are still holding out, come on. You don't have to hold out any longer. Become a follower of Jesus. I would have loved to unpack every single verse of this passage, but I didn't have time to do that. So I'm going to make a bit of a jump Suffice to say that the logic of Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees led to him talking about his father. And uh, Jesus says something remarkable in verse 29. He says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, 
for I always do what pleases him. And here is just a glimpse into the everlasting bond of love between God the Father and God the Son. John reports that people believe Jesus at this point, verse 30, and that makes me think that what Jesus had said about his Father had the ring of truth to the people who were there that day. They could just sense that he is a trustworthy person, not a liar or a lunatic. Well, let me finish with three brief conclusions. First, since it's Father's Day, uh, everyone today who is a father or a father figure or who is a son or a daughter should note what a noble calling it is to be a father and what a special gift it is to be in relationship with a father because in the Godhead itself, there is an everlasting bond of love between the father and the son. No human father is perfect and from time to time, speaking as a father, perhaps we even bring shame on fatherhood. But it is a noble calling. And if you are a father of any age, then I'd urge you to embrace that God-given role. The epistle reading from 1 Thessalonians says something about a father's role And I just want to highlight this. It does seem that a father has a special role as an encourager. So fathers, encourage your children. Second, I want to bring you back to Jesus saying that he is the light of the world. Uh, We've thought thought about this a lot this morning, obviously. Uh, we've, We've noted that Jesus is the only human being who ever said this about himself. He's the only person who said, I am the light of the world, with a straight face. And Jesus is a trustworthy person. Everybody knows that. You have come here to church this morning. I believe you are here because you know that Jesus is the light of the world. So I need to encourage you today to walk in this light. The light of Jesus' gospel. He's asking us to believe it and to live it. That's what walking in the light means. Uh, And it's another way of saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That's what he's asking us to do, to follow him. And it's an invitation that comes with the promise that we won't be in darkness. Because just as the Father is always with Jesus, well, if we're with Jesus, the Father will be with us too. Perhaps you're wondering if you are a follower of Jesus. But I think each of us has a pretty good idea, really. Would you call yourself a follower of Jesus? There's your answer. And if it's a yes then let's follow him. Can I lead us in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for not leaving us in darkness, but sending light into the world, sending your Son into the world who is the light of the world. 
Heavenly Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would please cause us to follow him, cause us to follow Jesus in every way, uh, to heed his words as the words of our personal master. Uh, We ask you please to forgive us for our sins and not let us die in them. Uh, And Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promise that whoever follows Jesus will never walk in darkness. We pray in his name. Amen.